Today is the first Sunday of the month of Kyak. And as many of you might know, during the month of Kyak we read the first chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke which talks about the nativity narrative of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we read the Annunciation of the birth of St. John the Baptist. And then next week we're going to read the Annunciation of our Lord Jesus Christ, followed by the visitation of St. Mary to Elizabeth. And then on the fourth Sunday of Kyak, we read about the birth of St. John the Baptist. And then we celebrate the feast of the Nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, the birth of Christ, on the 29th of the month, January 7th. Actually, technically we read the, the feast itself, we read uh, about the arrival of the Magi, but the, the Gospel of the Paramon we read about his birth. This morning when we listen to the Gospel, we hear about the fulfillment of a promise that God made to the people of Israel. And I wanted to focus on the words that the Archangel Gabriel told Zechariah in regards to the birth of St. John. And the things he said about St. John and how we should try to emulate and be those same things as well. The first thing right away that he said to him is that your prayers have been answered and you will call his name John. Some of you might know that the name John itself means God is compassionate or God is merciful or God is gracious. And we can see his name being the personification or see St. John being the personification of his name for two reasons. For one thing, God had compassion on Zechariah and Elizabeth because they had wanted a child for very long. They had prayed for very long uh, to have a child. And they were really old and they felt like this was beyond the, the time of them being able to have children. But God was gracious and compassionate towards them and gave them a child even in their old age. Not only are they going to have a child, but they're going to have the, uh, the privilege of having a child who's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. So not just any child. Not only was God compassionate to Zechariah and Elizabeth, but the birth of St. John signifies God's compassion first to the people of Israel and then also to all of mankind. The birth of St. John is an extension or the beginning of a new era. It's the end of dark times in which God's people were unable to live in holiness, in harmony with God, and a new age in which God condescended to take away the sins of the people and allow us to put on His righteousness. What does the archangel say about Gabriel? He says, uh, excuse me, about St. John. He says, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Elizabeth and Zechariah definitely are going to be happy when they have their baby, St. John. They've been waiting for a child their whole lives. But the archangel says many will rejoice at his birth. Who are the other people that are going to rejoice at the birth of St. John the Baptist? Definitely many people were happy to return to God at the encouragement of St. John when he preached repentance and a baptism and baptized the people in, in the Jordan in anticipation of the coming Messiah. So it's an opportunity to us, for us to ask ourselves a question. Do people rejoice at my presence or am I a cause of strife or division? He says many people are going to rejoice at their birth. St. Paul says in his letter to Titus, Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, 
knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. I think you probably know the type of people I'm talking about. There are people in your life that when they come around you or when you see their name pop up on your phone, you know there's going to be some sort of trouble. going to be some sort of issue, some sort of problem that they might create or cause that you're going to have to deal with. And actually, the opposite, conversely, you know people that when you're, when they're in their life, when you're in, they're in your lives and you spend time with them, you can spend hours and it makes you feel at peace and happiness and you feel safe and secure and want to be with them as long as possible. But I want to take the opportunity to think about what if I am the person in my family, in my group of friends, among my classmates, among my co-workers, that is the cause of division? What if I am the one who is unable to be a peacemaker, to be forgiving, to be flexible? What if I am the one who causes strife in my encounters? I should examine myself in this. St. Paul tells St. Timothy that this type of person excuse me, St. Titus, that this type of person should be avoided after the first and second admonition. Have I been admonished in this way and ignored it? Let me look at my actions and consider whether I am a source of rejoicing to those who I encounter. The archangel says, many are going to rejoice at your birth when he's talking about St. John the Baptist. In Ephesians, St. Paul says that we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So it is incumbent on us, it is a commandment of God for us to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Those who are grumblers or complainers, this is not just a bad habit, this is sin against God. We are called to be keeping unity and the spirit of the bond of peace. One important thing I want to mention when I mention about people rejoicing at the birth of St. John the Baptist St. John was not actually a source of joy for everybody. Right? He was definitely not a source of joy for the king, Herod. The reason Herod had a problem with St. John is that St. John condemned the fact that he married his brother's wife. The scribes and the Pharisees, they weren't the biggest fans of St. John because they didn't agree with his preaching. Being their source of rejoicing of others should not come at the expense of the truth of God. So I should not compromise truth to become a people pleaser. So there's a balance between being a peacemaker and just saying things in order to be liked by others. That's not what I'm talking about and that's not what St. John did. Not everybody rejoiced at his birth. The second thing the archangel says is he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. Do I want to be, going back to thinking about being a people pleaser, do I want to be great in the sight of man or do I want to be great in the sight of the Lord? Maybe by worldly measures the life of St. John was a failure. He lived most of life in the desert. He didn't marry. He didn't have too many friends. He didn't have a, really much of a career. He didn't accumulate wealth or power. He was killed for displeasing the king and put in jail. But he was great in the sight of the Lord. What made St. John great in the sight of the Lord? He lived according to the will of God. He had a calling and a mission from God and he was serious and diligent about fulfilling it. This is how we can be great in the sight of the Lord. Can live according to the will of God. 
Last week we read the gospel passage about the rich young ruler. And we focus on the one thing that he lacked, which was love of money. But if you think about the first part of their encounter, what was said when he came and asked, how do I inherit eternal life? Christ told him, keep the commandments. And when he listed off a number of the commands, and he said he's been following them from his youth, what does the gospel say Christ did? I said Christ that looked at him and had compassion on him and loved him. His keeping of the commandments was pleasing to God. It made God happy and would have made him actually great in the sight of the Lord had he been able to remove the one thing that he lacked. Similarly, we have to strive to be great in the sight of the Lord. Keep his commandments diligently and repent sincerely when we don't. The next thing the archangel says, and, shall, and he shall neither drink wine nor strong drink. And later he says, he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. St. John kept away from wine, kept away from strong drink as a sign of his consecration to the Lord. He didn't live according to the luxuries of the worldly life. We're told in the gospel he used to eat wild locusts and honey. His clothing was camel's hair and a leather belt. Actually, his clothing is mentioned because it has a, a very specific meaning and message. The garments that St. John was wearing symbolizes his mission to preach repentance. Sackcloth, which is similar to camel's hair, is a, is a garment referred to in the Old Testament that was usually worn when people were repenting as a sign of uh, mourning and asking God for the forgiveness of their sin, a public display of repentance. It says also, the archangel mentioned, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I just want to say a small thing here. Why are Elijah and St. John linked? In the book of Malachi, which by the way was the last prophet who came before St. John the Baptist and before Christ, he writes, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the land with a curse. Even our Lord Jesus Christ made this same connection. That he solidifies the role of St. John the Baptist as a prophet who would prepare the way for the Messiah. He says, Truly I say to you, among those born among women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. So they are both linked. But going back to him not drinking wine or strong drink and him being consecrated to the Lord, we are also consecrated to the Lord. On the day of our chrismation, we became temples of the Holy Spirit. It's a desecration of the temple of the Holy Spirit to live a life disobeying the commandments of God, regarding them as nothing, living my life as I see fit. We see the example of St. John consecrating himself, not drinking wine or strong drink, not living according to the pleasures and luxuries of the world, focusing only on his spiritual life and his endeavor 
and his mission which he was given, which was to be a forerunner. He mentions also, the archangel mentions, that St. John is filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Also on the day of our confirmation, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. So it's an opportunity for us to ask a question. Do we resist the Holy Spirit within us when He is convicting us of sin? Do we quench the Holy Spirit when He is stirring in us to do good works? Do we grieve the Holy Spirit by consistent lack of repentance and confession living my life as if there is no eternity? Or do I kindle the grace of the Holy Spirit in my heart? Do I try to listen to the Holy Spirit who is speaking to me, encouraging me, giving me grace and strength to increase in virtues? The Archangel says about St. John the Baptist, he will turn many to the Lord. He will turn many to the Lord. How many of us think about doing this in our lives? Parents, do you care about this? If I care about this, I bring my kids to church. I involve them in service. I be a good example in my life. I pray in the house with them. I read the Bible with them together. Do I care to turn them to the Lord or not? Sunday school servants, do I care to turn many to the Lord? Making disciples, not coming and just giving a lesson, but really investing in the eternal life of the people. For the deacons, do I help the people to grow in worship and prayer, bringing many to the Lord? All of us, do we have, we have this mission to evangelize the gospel, to bring people to Christ. Do I bring people to Christ by a welcoming uh, smile, by my life lived as a Christian, by gentle words? Do I turn many to the Lord like St. John did? St. John had this one goal, to turn people to the Lord. And then he says, to turn the hearts of the fathers to children. Are we able to work towards turning the hearts of people to children, the hearts that can be accepting of God's words? He says he will turn the disobedient into the wisdom of the just to, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. St. John had an amazing uh, mission, a very important and vital mission. But many of the things that he was foretold by the archangel apply to us that we also have an obligation to do to consecrate ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit to turn people to the Lord may God through the intercessions of St. John the Baptist have us have those things in our minds to ask God to live in this way so that we can also partake in His glory and glory be to God forever and ever Amen